0: Father, we just thank you for your presence now. Holy Spirit, it's just been so wonderful being in your presence. And I just pray that you will continue to fall afresh upon us. Just fall upon each one of us. Open our hearts to receive from you, open our ears to hear our minds to understand. Speak into our spirits, spirit to spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Bless us now. And just use me, use me as your instrument to bring your word to us today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So. It's good morning everyone again, um, greetings to those in the hall, it's great that you are here with us and for those that are watching on YouTube, we've overcome the technical glitches that were happening in the beginning so I'm so blessed to see people in the hall that you're with us here and it's great more and more people coming in I know some people aren't here with us today for various reasons, um, but it's just great that we can be together So we're in week five of our series on the character of God Last week I looked at two characteristics of God. The first being God is incomparable. There's no way to describe him. There's nothing that we we know that we can compare God to because he's outside of time and space and beyond what we can comprehend. The second characteristic that I looked at was that God is unknowable and yet is knowable. There's so much of God that is unknowable because he is God. But God is also noble because he has revealed himself to us in many ways through the centuries. With the the greatest revelation coming through God the Son, Jesus Christ. When God came to earth in the the form of of Jesus Christ. We got to know some of God there. Now today I want to look at another two characteristics of God. That God is spirit. And God is light. And we've been experiencing God as spirit this morning. Um, He's been here with us. So God is spirit. John 4, 23 to 24 tells us, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. And in truth. And that was happening this morning, just the presence of the Holy Spirit here. We were worshiping spirit to spirit, heart to heart, and just loving it. God is spirit. He has no bodily form in the way that we have a bodily form in which our spirits are contained. So God is is unlike us in this respect. We are in bodily form and our spirits are contained in us while we are alive on the earth. God is not constrained by a bodily form. And this is why he can be everywhere at the same time. And it's also the reason why the Israelites were told not to make idols. Um, The Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from the top of the mountain. It says, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to the beginning part of verse 5. Part of the Ten Commandments. God is a jealous God. God is not, we cannot make a form of God and then worship God. That form, he doesn't want us to do that. You know, all the pagan nations made idols of their gods and worshipped them, and it's still happening today. Think about the TV shows that are set up to find the next great entertainer, singer, whatever. Think about the way singers, musicians, bands, artists, film, television, and sports personality personal, personalities, etc., are idolized by their fans. I mean, this nation, this country, and Around the world, football stars, you know, these, these guys that have paid ridiculous sums of money and they idolized. Um, musicians, film stars, they idolized. Why? You know, what's so special about them? Even in the business and political world, there are people being idolized. I believe it's because so many people do not have an understanding of God and a personal relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. They have this longing within them. This desire to worship its within themselves. They want to worship. And so they worship things in and of the world instead of God. There is this desire in us to worship. And so the most common form of worship is, is singing. You know, and I think most people enjoy singing. I don't know of a culture where people don't enjoy singing. But what do we sing about or who do we sing to? That's the important thing. These people worship things in the world because they don't have God within them. Their spirit is not in tune with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in the world today. But they are spiritually hungry to worship. We were created to worship. And so they worship the things of the world without understanding why they have this longing within themselves to worship something. Now the western world has been blinded and deceived by the devil when it comes to spirit matters. For most people in the western world believing in spirits is for the weirdos and mentally unstable. It is something from a video game or science fiction film or TV show, the paranormal. They believe spirits are not around anymore and we certainly do not have a spirit and that we do not have a spirit element to us, to ourselves. They do not understand That we are created by the God of creation as spirit, soul, and body. There's three elements to ourselves. Which we'll talk about later when we look at the Trinity. God is spirit and we are created in his image. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. God breathed his spirit into us at at that time of creation. It was not just his breath he breathed into us, but his spirit too. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Genesis 2, verse 7. But it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. Job 32, verse 8. And for I am full of words, and the spirit within me compels me. The spirit within me compels me. Job 32, verse 18. We need both the breath of God and the spirit of God to be fully alive. Without either one of them, we are dead. If it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all mankind would perish together and man would return to the dust. Job 34, 14 and 15. Many people living today are not fully alive. Their bodies are living, they are breathing, but their spirits are inactive. They are spiritually dead and are unable to perceive God because he is spirit. For us to understand God as a spirit, our spirit within us needs to be reignited, reactivated, energized. And this happens in the way Jesus explained it to Nicodemus, as found in the Gospel of John. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. When we encounter God through Jesus Christ, when we confess that we are sinners in need of salvation, and Jesus being the only way to salvation, we invite Him into our lives to be our Lord and Savior. Our spirit comes alive by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, coming into our lives And reigniting, reactivating, and energizing our spirit. The part of us that is from eternity to eternity. Our bodies die, but our spirits are eternal. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah chapter uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. God is spirit, and we are created in his likeness. So we too are spirit not just a physical body. We have the Spirit of God living in us when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Our spirit within us receives the kiss of life from the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and comes alive again, the sloppy wet kiss that we sang about earlier today. (laughs) It is only when our spirits are revived by the kiss of life from the Holy Spirit that we are able to worship God who is Spirit, in spirit and truth, even though we have a limited understanding of God as spirit. We worship him in spirit and in truth, because our spirit within us is alive through the Holy Spirit in us. I want to conclude the first part of the message by quoting from Incomparable by Andrew Wilson, where he is actually quoting Stephen Charnock's book, The Existence and Attributes of God. He says this, Since we cannot have a full notion of him, We should endeavor to make it as high and as pure as we can. Conceive of him as excellent without any imperfections. A spirit without parts, great without quantity, perfect without quality, everywhere without place, powerful without members, understanding without ignorance, wise without reasoning, light without darkness, And when you have risen to the highest, conceive him yet infinitely above all you can conceive of spirit. And acknowledge the infirmity of your own minds. And whatsoever conception comes into your mind, say, This is not God. God is more than this. If I could conceive him, he were not God. If I could conceive him, he were not God. God is far beyond what we can conceive and understand. But... He gives us parts of himself. He shows us bits of himself. And this is what we're looking at through this whole series. So we look at God is spirit, and we respond to him spirit to spirit. The second characteristic of God I want to look at is God is light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. This verse is so often uh, used in sermons in and around Christmas time as we get ready to celebrate and remember the birth of Jesus. When God came to earth in physical form, He came as Emmanuel, God with us. The light of God came into the world in the form of Jesus Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came for testimony, to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. John 1, verses 4-9. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome light. It is impossible for darkness to overcome light. Darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. The darkness of night happens when there is the absence of the light of the sun. But as soon as the sun appears, the darkness disappears. It cannot remain and overcome the light. John came as the forerunner to Christ, to prepare the hearts of man to be ready to receive Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. He was the spark, the glimmer of light, before the flame of God appeared in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the very presence of God on the earth, declared himself to be the light of the world, the one to make the way and to show the way to Father God. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We live in a dark world, and we are called to reflect who God is in the world. We live in a dark world, and we are called to reflect who God is. We are to shine his light in the dark world, and the light will overcome the darkness. Andrew Wilson puts it this way in his book, Incomparable. So to say God is light and in him is no darkness at all, as 1 John 1 verse 5 says, is to declare God's invincibility. In whatever context the light picture is used, and it sometimes means life, sometimes righteousness, and sometimes truth, it speaks of an area where there is no contest. In principle, it is possible for grace to be overcome by legalism, the holy tainted by the common, love spoiled by hate. But it is impossible for the light of God to be drowned out, diluted, or in any way challenged by darkness, any more than shadows can defeat a halogen lamp. God is invincible. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So when people come into the light of God, their wickedness is exposed, And if they repent of this wickedness, confessing their sins, God deals with it and removes it from their lives. They no longer carry it around with them. They are set free from it. The light always overcomes the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome the light. God wants us to know this and to share this good news with others. God is light and he wants us to walk in his light and bring others into the light of God. I want to conclude with one last quote from Andrew Wilson's book, Incomparable. As light conquers darkness, the resurrection life of Jesus conquers the tomb. Once the life and light of God have broken out in someone, there is nothing Satan himself can do to reinstate the rule and reign of death and darkness. Falsehood and truth, death and resurrection life, Are not evenly matched, nowhere near. When the light appears, the darkness is sent packing forever. This is why an incredibly unlikely claim made by 120 uneducated Jewish people spread throughout the world. You can read about that in Acts chapter 1 and 2. It is why the gospel thrives most when it is suppressed. It is also why suggestions that the church will fade are so foolish. God is glorious. Permanent and invincible light. And when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome. God is Spirit, God is light. Let us live with both of these characteristics of God moving powerfully in our lives. Okay. That's what I've got to say this morning. Now it's time for you to have some discussions about this. And um, When you get come around to these questions, don't feel you have to work all your way through all of them. You know, If you get stuck on one of the questions at your table and that takes up most of the, the time, that's fine. That's not something here for you to, to work through. What we want with these questions is, what is God saying to you in this time? That's the main thing is to take out. God, what are you saying to me? What is it that is important that you want me to hear from this? So it might be in question one, it might be in question two. So whatever it is, just yeah, don't feel pressurized. You have to work all your way through, your way through the whole list. Um, but just go through them. So, discussion questions. The first thing was, was there anything that stood out for you in this message? Share it with the group. Secondly, in what ways do you see the world has been deceived by the devil with regards to the spirit realm? Thirdly, how aware are you of the spiritual atmosphere at your workplace, and what can you to bring about a, what can you do to bring about a change for good to the spiritual atmosphere at your workplace? Now, if you're not working obviously that question but there's other areas, your areas of influence, like that. How can you go about bringing the light of God into your sphere of influence? So three and four can tie up if you're not working, look at verse three, and then pray for one another. I mean, that's the one thing to try and get to is pray for one another. And if you need to skip out one of the other questions, don't worry about it. Um, But let's just see, what is God saying? Thank you. Let me just pray. Father, I just ask now that as we come to gather together to discuss these questions, that you will highlight the things that are pertinent to each one of us. What are you saying to us at this time? And for those that are watching online or maybe later listening or watching it on YouTube, that you would ask yourself, what is God saying to me at this time? We thank you, Father, for that. That you want to speak to each one of us and you want each one of us to interact with you and grow in who we are in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.